to um, not necessarily study people in the Bible, but we are going to be focusing a lot of our words, um, the, the, the sermons and the things that we talk about on characters in the Bible, like really like understand specific characters in the Bible, um, maybe highlight a particular event in their life and really draw from that, pull from whatever um, lessons or examples God wants us to take from that. Um, and so um, today we'll be talking about Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, and uh, his history, his story is pretty um, pretty extensive in terms of like, um, you know, how involved he was with like persecuting Christians and playing a really big role in trying to destroy the church at the time. Um, we all kind of know you know, we're familiar, right, with his story, start off as Saul, um, became Paul after he encountered um, the Holy Spirit and heard from Jesus Christ directly. Um, but I really, I think I want to just go over that particular encounter with Christ to really reinforce a really, really important thing that I think that believers, especially young believers, we forget, Um when we come to services like this or when we listen to sermons online or, you know, the majority of what we hear, I think, really focuses on the idea that, you know, by believing in Christ, we are saved. And I in no way want to try to minimize that truth, right, because it is 100 percent true. Um, but I also want to remind us that there is... Um, there's like a caveat to that, right? In other words, salvation is like hearing the word and believing the word, but it's also something that is like visibly seen, right? In other words, when the Holy Spirit, when you accept the Holy Spirit and God comes to live in you and dwell within you, it is very apparent, right? You bear the fruit of the Spirit. And the reminder, I think, that I want everyone to take today um, is that holiness, right, not only just bearing the fruit, but living a life of holiness is the standard, right? Because otherwise, we're really not separated much from Satan, right? The devil believes in Christ more than an atheist does, right? Because an atheist has just completely... Um, dismiss the idea that even a God exists, right? Um, or unbelievers, right? Maybe somebody who's a Buddhist or a Muslim, you know, they believe that that Christ, you know, maybe existed, that he was a good teacher, he was a good prophet, um, but they don't believe that he's the son of man, or excuse me, the son of God. Um, and Satan does, Satan knows that, right? And that is why he has made such a huge effort um, to derail as many believers from the things of God. Um, and I want you guys to know that holiness is what separates us from Satan. It's what separates us from those who are lukewarm. It's what separates us from, you know, those who, you know, the Bible says, um, you know, go through the very sort of wide gate, right, versus the narrow gate. 
that um, seems to suggest that it's not everybody who says, oh, I'm a Christian or, oh, I'm a believer or, oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I go to church. Oh, I pray. Oh, I read my Bible. Like that's, that's not enough, right? That is not what the Bible makes clear the standard is. And by the standard, I mean like the threshold, right? Like the threshold that you have to surpass in order to get to heaven, right? It's, it's like some of us are like right here, like we're very close to that standard. We're very close to that threshold. We're like, we believe in Christ, you know, we're, we're good to our neighbors, you know, we're this and that, but we still live lives of sin. And unfortunately, because God is holy and he cannot dwell with sin, we, we just don't get ourselves to that point. But praise be to God um, that his son, Jesus Christ, came and died for us and is really here, like the Holy Spirit is really here to help us like cross that threshold to be able to achieve that standard and to be able to live a life of eternity with Christ. So um, I just want us to briefly turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Um, that is the, the book in the Bible that speaks very specifically and very directly about Saul slash Paul's conversion um, because of the encounter that we that he had with Christ. And so I just want to read it. I want us to read it so that we're all kind of clear on what exactly happened, right? Um, this is not something that I expect everybody to go through, right? This was a more dramatic sort of encounter um, that somebody had with Christ, but there's still a lot of things that we can pull from it. And I want us to be able to do that this morning. So, um, or this afternoon, rather. Can I have somebody um, read... Um, Acts chapter 9, and if that person could start reading um, from verse 1 to 19, and then I'll have, um, and then we'll kind of wrap up there. So I'll, or excuse me, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 19. Can somebody read that? Are y'all awake? Can I get an amen, hallelujah, praise, something? Can I know who's on the call? Um, amen. I'll do it. Okay, amen. amen. All right, who, 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 who so kindly volunteered to read? Thank you. Thank you, Akria. God bless you. Go ahead, take it away, and, and, you know, be loud and bold and clear and all that. Okay. Um, Acts chapter 9, um, meanwhile... Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so mm -hmm. that if he found any, so if, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As okay. he neared, pause. So, sorry, sorry. And I'm going to have you continue reading, but I do want to make sure that as we're going through, like we're understanding what's going on here. So my Bible is a different translation. So not, as you read, I may like pause you and then go back and read it. But like, this is what my Bible says. I want you guys to understand. It says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Like he had this drive within him, right? It was almost like he had this like, bubbling up like this is my purpose and plan is to really persecute God's people. And mind you, um, he was a Pharisee, right? And that was sort of a religious like group 
religious sort of political group at the time um, who, who kind of saw like the things of Christ and that whole like journey and that whole like gospel and doctrine to be very blasphemous to what they believed at the time. So the Bible says that he's eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, uh, any followers of the way he found there. So basically just sending out these letters asking that people would help to report, right? Let us know who it is that follows Christ. We'll show up, we'll kill them. Continue. Okay, um, verse three. Mm-hmm. As he neared Damascus, Damascus mm-hmm. on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, Mm -hmm. there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hand on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were come here has sent me so that you may see again and be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and, and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for reading that so wonderfully. Uh, so, yeah, this is, um, I think, a very, very powerful um passage in the Bible because there are so many key things that we can take away from this. And, you know, like I said earlier, this was a very dramatic sort of encounter and experience that um, Saul later became Paul had with Christ. And I think a lot of that is because God oftentimes, like the way he calls you, the way he encounters you is related to your purpose, right? It's related to the way he's going to use you in the body of Christ or in his kingdom. And so 
Saul being somebody who went super duper hard for persecuting Christians, someone who was super duper like just ready to fulfill that purpose and execute it to the fullness of his ability. God was able to take that same person and take that same passion and use it for his good. Right. And I think in direct connection to what I'm speaking on today, which is like holiness being the standard, I want you guys to um, sort of understand that as the passage goes on, um, the the next section is um, talks a little bit about what happened when, you know, after he had regained his sight and he went and he, you know, went and mingled with the um, other apostles uh, and disciples and, and just uh, the hesitation a lot of people had kind of knowing who he was. Um, but then gradually, as you read the scripture, just kind of like seeing how he just dramatically changed and understandably, right? Somebody who has an encounter like that with Christ would change, right? Just dramatically. And I think my point in communicating this is that like, it's not, it wasn't like Saul went from like, heavily persecuting, prosecuting Christians to, all right, I encountered Christ, I believe in him, you know, now I'm just chilling, you know, occasionally I kind of dip back into my old ways. Like at that point, when he encountered Christ, when he literally lost his sight and then it came back to him, right? It's like there was a complete 360 um, degree change in the way he lived, right? And that is what the standard is for us. That's what the expectation is for us. Maybe not on this scale, because of course, a lot of us aren't directly going around um, with an agenda to kill God's people. But this is on a much smaller scale, what the expectation is for us, right? We may not have been on our way to Damascus and struck by light and heard the voice of Jesus telling us to live right, or telling us to completely like, you know, sell out for him. But what we have experienced and what we what we have gone through is just a, a more subtle perhaps encounter with Jesus Christ. And if you haven't had that, then that's certainly something that you want to pray for. I know for me personally, um, sorry guys, that's the phone ring. Try to ignore that. I know for me personally, I I'm careful what I wish for. I'm pray I'm careful about what I pray for. Because I know that just me knowing myself, I wouldn't have been able to, like, I couldn't, I couldn't encounter Christ the way that Saul did or the way that Paul did, right? That, God knows me, that would kind of freak me out. You know what I mean? Although I'd be completely like sold out for Christ, but I think the Lord knows I don't, I don't need all that, right? Someone who was doing as much as Paul was definitely needed that kind of encounter. But for us, God kind of knows us and he understands kind of our limits. And so that's not something I think that is the, you know, that I guess that would be expected from us. So that's not necessarily what I think you guys should pray for. But what I'm saying is if you haven't gotten to the point where you are like wholly and entirely convinced, right, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then you do want to pray for God to give you that encounter. Because at that point, the expectation becomes your life looks completely different, right? You're not lukewarm, right? You're not like a little bit in the world and a little bit like 
you know, with God, you're completely sold out for Christ. You are completely 100, 110% in for Christ. And it's not just about believing that. I'm so sorry. I don't know who is calling the house right now, but I'm just going to keep ignoring it because um, it's just too much. Anyways, if you, when, when you completely give your life to Christ, right, it's not just something that you believe and that nobody else sees, right? It's something that is very present, right? And the Bible talks about people bearing the fruit of the spirit, right? But in addition to that, guys, like the Holy Spirit comes in us and it starts to work in our hearts and work in our minds and helps us to understand like the gravity of sin, right? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, right? So in in conjunction with y'all, I don't know what's going on, but please... Please, 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 please try to ignore that, okay? Because honestly, if it was, to me, I'm looking at like if it was someone important or something important, I feel like the person would call my phone. Also, I'm at my dad's house, so I think it's like a call from Ghana. But I'm so sorry for that, guys. I'm going to try to get through this. Um, But anyways, um, when you experience, like when when you have that encounter with Christ and you experience the Holy Spirit, it's, it's you understanding and recognizing the gift that Christ is in our lives, but it's also you knowing and understanding what sin really is and how damaging it is, not only to your life, but to your actual walk with Christ, right? And it's the one thing that is going to really separate people from getting into heaven, right? Because like I said, God is holy, right? We serve a holy God. And the whole point of sending Christ was to give us a way out of sin so that us being sinful and filthy and unholy would have the opportunity, a ways and a means to connect with our maker and connect with God who like before then we didn't, right? Because we were, we were filthy, right? We were filled with sin. And so like part of understanding what sin is and understanding what it does to your life is making that conscious effort, right? Like very, very serious effort to remove sin out of your life, right? Because, you know, for a lot of people, like sin is going to be that one thing that holds them back, right? And it's not so much the fact that the sin exists because we're, we're, it's in our nature, right? It's not something that I can tell you guys like, all right, guys, by next week, everybody should be 100% sinless. No, it's just not possible, right? It's more of the idea. It's the thought process. And it's the understanding that, like, and the recognition, right? The recognition of the things that are in your life, the things that you're doing that is separating you from God, the things in your life that you're not willing to compromise on. You're no longer willing to say, oh, well, that's the way I am, or I was born like this, or, oh, I'm just a sinner, so this is the way it looks, um, it's it's you recognizing that, look, Christ came and gave me a shot at life. He gave me a shot to do this the right way. Let me go back and let me try to examine myself, examine my life, right? And this is where the action steps really come in. You pray to God and you ask God if you haven't already had this encounter. Again, not necessarily on the same scale as Paul, but you pray to God and you ask him like, Lord, Help me, like whatever convincing I need, help me to get there, 
right? Because God listens to our prayers. And if it's something that you desire, he will definitely answer that. And it, it'll it will happen probably in a very unexpected way, right? Again, he's not going to like descend upon you and probably like speak to you. He might, but he might use somebody in your life to speak through you. You might be walking down the street and, and see something that, that clearly your, your spirit connects to God speaking to you number of different ways. So you have to pray for it. You have to be open to it, right? In other words, when it happens, don't dismiss it, right? Because that's kind of like borderline blasphemous, like denying that the power of God or denying the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Being open to it and then recognizing, identifying the areas in your life where you have fallen short, the areas in your life where you need the Holy Spirit to come in and to push you push you over that threshold. Remember, this is heaven, right? And this is where a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, like, yeah, I go to church. I read my Bible. I believe in Jesus. This is where a lot of people just kind of like cruise and hang out. And like, they're like, okay in their sin. They're, They're okay because they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to actually come in their hearts and come in their lives to do the work. And the reason why that part is so important, because that's the same Holy Spirit when Jesus Christ comes, that's going to identify, right, with the maker and pretty much resurrect you to God, right? Whether you call it the rapture or what happens when you die, it's almost like the identity mark, right, that exists within you. So while that Holy Spirit resides there to connect you to our maker, it's also there doing the work, right? And it's helping you knowing that sin is not something you're able to overcome on your own, right? It's something that you need God to help you get through. And it's easier said than done, guys. And I haven't really figured out really what that looks like for every person because I do believe that it's different, right? It's It takes a different amount of time for people. Um, but I do know like where you start is where you go to God and where you identify those things. Um, So on a very practical level, if you have to sit down one day during your quiet time and literally write down all of the shortcomings you think you have, or all of the things that you feel like set you back from God, or all of the things that you think sort of put you below that threshold, if you have to sit down and write it, write it. What are all the things that you think would actually keep you out of heaven, just on a practical level, right? Because we believe in Christ. We know that Christ exists. We know that he's the son of man. But now we've got these things about us, right, that we have to make an effort to fix, right? We have to make an effort to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and doing the fixing, right? Because repentance is a huge part of salvation, guys. Don't ever let any teacher or preacher tell you that all you have to do is say that you believe in Christ and then you're in heaven. No, you have to believe in Christ so that Christ can come and do the work and prepare you for heaven, right? Because what good is it to be here? Say you believe in Christ, still commit all the crimes that you can against humanity and against God, and then go to a heaven that is perfect that you, you're you not even prepared for. Like you'll get to heaven and you won't even know how to act right because you you haven't prepared yourself for that sort of thing. Um, and again, it's a, it's a sort of simultaneous thing happens as you allow Christ to come into your life. So yes, sit down one day and just write it all out. What is it for you? Are you addicted to pornography? Do you have anger management issues? Do you have problems forgiving people? Are you disrespectful to your parents? 
Do you have issues with your self-worth and identity and, and how you even view yourself, right? Um, do you gossip a lot, right? Are you, do you like like listening to certain kinds of music that you know you shouldn't be? Like, I mean, and, and, and it's not to say that all these different things are the direct reason why you're not going to heaven, but all these different things play into a sinful nature that already was on its way to hell, right? And so in an effort to try to, to preserve us and keep us and prepare us for eternity with our maker, what are those things that are separating us from Christ? And as you write them down, like you've got it there on a list, go to God with it, right? It all, it, it's like we, you go to God to start it off, you put that list together and then go back to God and say, Lord, this is me. Like, this is where I am. Mind you, God already knows these things, but it's, there's something about it clicking for you, right? For you recognizing, like, it came from a life where you were in the world, right? You, at one point, you were a Saul, right? Where you, you had no sort of understanding of the things of God. You had no understanding or respect or reverence for God or Christ himself. And then you, you, you come to a point where you've experienced God or you've encountered God. Maybe you've heard about God. You come to these calls, these Zoom calls, and it's, it's, it's pretty convincing at this point, right? So you're all the way there. You believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. But you still have these areas in your life where you're not bearing the proper kind of fruit that would show that the Holy Spirit is working in you, right? Write it down and take it to God. And when you're taking it to God and you're praying about these things, you want to ask God to come in and to help you become holy. God, like turn me from 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 somebody who is a sinner, somebody who has fallen short into somebody who is holy, Right? Because again, holiness is the standard, right? And it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we are going to be um, completely without blemish or without flaw. But it does mean that now we have we've set our radars on. We have this like thing that goes off in our head or in our spirit internally. And we catch ourselves, right? Like right when we're about to sin, right when you're about to say something disrespectful to your parents, you hold your tongue because you realize, wait, hold a second. Like, hold on a second. The Holy Spirit is reminding me that what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say probably isn't right. Right when you think about making a decision that you know is going to separate you from God or you know is just not what God has willed for you or planned for you. You know it goes contrary against the teachings of Christ. It goes contrary to the word of God. You know this. And because you've prayed this prayer and you, you're trying to make this effort, you think twice about it, right? And, and just like everything, guys, it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of commitment and it takes a lot of perseverance because you're not going to get it right the first time. You're going to fall. You're going to have to get back up and then you're going to fall a couple more times. You're going to have to get back up, but you have to be willing to push through that journey alone, that journey of falling, coming back up until you see, because eventually you will see there is a change. All of a sudden your tone and your demeanor, like your heart is just completely changed. All of a sudden, like this, this change and this, just this, um, transition from being someone who was of the world to someone who now lives a life of holiness is evident to the people that come around you, right? And it's just as evident as what happened to um, Saul here in the Bible, right? And it's one of those things that we have to understand is crucial, critical, 
Like we can't, like all we're doing here is wasting our time if we think that like, okay, I believe in Christ. I'm going to read my, my Bible every morning. It's a, all those things help, guys. I promise you they help. But it's like taking, it's like taking medicine, right? A medicine where the, the prescription says you have to take three doses a day, right? It's like you have this condition or you have this illness or you have this disease or whatever, right? The doctor pres- uh, prescribes you medication to take makes it very clear you have to take this three times a day in order to get better, in order to get healed, in order to get yourself to a place where you're no longer having to deal with this ailment, right? And instead of taking the three doses, you take one and a half, or you take two, or you take two and uh, two and what, three quarters, right? You're, 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 you're selling yourself short, You're not giving yourself the full dosage, the maximum dosage that you need to get yourself to where you need to be, to get yourself to that point of healing. And I think that's what I want the message for us to be today, is that we need Christ, we need to read our Bible, we need to believe in him, but we also need to remember that like every day, my goal is to live a life of holiness, right? And that means I have to make a conscious effort to watch what I'm listening to, what I expose myself to, what I watch, maybe who I speak to, right? Maybe what platforms I follow on social media, right? What friends I have around me, right? What I allow to enter into my heart, right? It's it's being conscious of these types of things and knowing that as I'm trying to pursue God, as I'm trying to pursue holiness, right, I have to be very, very protective over the things that I intake, right? And that is that is, I think, the journey that we're all on once we become believers, because slowly and surely you begin to see those changes, right? And it's not like God just waves his magic wand and boom you're holy. No, it's something that requires effort from us, right? And we see that like God doesn't just do the whole magic wand thing. And even the way he dealt with um, Saul, right? And converting him into Paul, right? So he he came and he struck him, right? With, with light and he went blind. But just as easily as God struck him so that he went blind, God could have struck him right back for him to have vision. But no, God like... He, 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 he keeps us really intertwined with one another, right? And this is a really, really important, another really important lesson sort of from this passage is that like you may be Saul in this situation or you may be Ananias, right? You're sitting somewhere chilling, minding your own business. All of a sudden, like the Lord impresses on your heart to pray for somebody or the Lord impresses on your heart to reach out to somebody and share the gospel or the Lord impresses on your heart to travel to this place, find the person named Saul, lay hands on them so that they can become healed, right? And I think Ananias' initial response and reaction to Jesus when he had spoken to him about Saul is what we do all the time, right? Like, we see somebody or we know of somebody who's clearly not living for Christ or clearly not in the faith. And our, the first thing that we do, our default thing is just kind of like bash them. Like, like, Lord, this is somebody who was persecuting you. This was somebody who's been doing X, Y, and Z. This is somebody that like, we don't want to have anything to do with, right? It's natural, right? Goes back to the thing that I was talking about and trying to protect yourself and protect what you expose yourself to. But 
but but we have to also understand like God's heart for people is very different than our heart for people, right? God loves us all. And if God can take somebody like Saul and turn him into Paul, somebody who was literally like prosecuting, killing, you know, trying to gang up people from all these synagogues and have people, you know, cooperate with him, right, to try to kill more believers. If God could take that person and then make him probably one of the most important individuals in the New Testament after Jesus Christ, then he can do that with anybody, right? He can do that with anyone that you know, even you're a celebrity that you may think, oh, you know, this person has sold their soul or this person has done X, Y, and Z. Like before we start bashing them, before we start just like throwing stones at them, why don't we pray for them, right? Or why don't we just go to God and say, Lord, it's crazy what's going on, but I'm going to say a prayer for this person because I know that deep down inside, you have a heart for this person. Matter of fact, it's not even that deep for God. He does have a heart for all of his children and all of his people. And it saddens him, obviously, when he sees people living contrary to his will and contrary to the way that he's called them to live. Um, and so our role as believers and as brothers and sisters in Christ is to you know, not only encourage one another, but make sure that when we see somebody who's perhaps not living for Christ, that we pray for them and we take them to the Lord and we ask God to you know, really just have a hand in everything that they do so that um, you know, they, they too can have that opportunity right, to find Christ and the opportunity to live for Christ. And it kind of becomes this domino effect where we all experience Christ, we all encounter Christ, we're all moved and changed by the Holy Spirit. Gradually over time, we continue to affect and sort of have this this ripple on everybody else around us, which continues to spread, which of course frustrates the devil, but it's something that, um, you know, it's something that brings God glory. Um, and that's really the reason why we're doing all that we're doing. Um, so I'm just going to wrap up here. I'm going to read you um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 27. Um, but I think I'm going to I'm going to cut it short because it just it, it kind of just sums up what I'm trying to say here. Matthew 7, verse 21 to 27. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I'm going to read that again because I think that's really, really powerful. It seems to um, sort of allude to like even prophets and, and, you know, certain men and women of God, right, who uh, perform miracles in the name of God and drive out demons in the name of God. Listen to what, like, the Bible says, right? Listen to what Christ is saying specifically. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I mean, that, like, Standard, Lord, Lord, right? Reads their Bible, goes to church. Standard, which is doing the will of our Father who is in heaven, okay? 
On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Christ says he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay, that that's not something I think any of us want to hear um, when we when we reach the end of this life and we meet God. Right. Because then what's the point? Honestly speaking, at that point, you might as well just be, the Bible says it's better to just be completely hot or cold for Christ. Like don't be in the middle because at that point he will just spit you out, right? It's if, if, if you're going to call yourself a believer, if you're going to say I'm a Christian, if you're going to commit to doing this, then commit to doing it, right? And do it in such a way where you finish strong, where you finish like crossing that threshold, where you finish like with God, right? At the end, because then it's like, what was all of it for, right? You may have seen that the quality of your life was better, but at the end of it all, if you don't get to spend eternity with God, then what is it all for, right? That's what I want us to remember today is that holiness is the standard. And, you know, God, God, when we experience him and we encounter him in the many ways that we do, you know, there is a change, there is a change, like a, 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 real, a real encounter with Christ. Somebody who's really sold out for Christ um, will see a real change in their life. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen overnight. I mean, it doesn't mean that that particular person is perfect. I'm not perfect. Kevin's not perfect. Auntie Eunice is not perfect. And we've been doing this for a while. We've been trying at this for a while. But the fruit of the Spirit, right, like you read your Bible, you understand what the, the, the laws of the Lord are, and you're cautious, you're mindful, right? And, and you choose to do the right thing because you've chosen God, right? The reality is a lot of these so-called atheists and so-called unbelievers, it, it doesn't really have much to do with whether or not they actually believe in God, in my opinion, right? It has more to do with them just not wanting to change, them not wanting to have to abide by any sort of rule book or guide on how to live their lives. They want to do what they want. They don't want God. They don't want direction. They don't want, they don't want any of this, right? It's very sad because those are the same people. We prayed about, you know, um, some of the ones who have mental health issues um, and, and, and people who just struggle in that area of their life. Those are the same people who have the those types of struggles, right? Because they're trying to find something, something to latch onto, something to anchor them in this life. Mind you, they don't want it to be God. They don't want it to be Christ because they don't want to have to submit their lives. They don't want to have to die to their flesh. And they're, they're, they, they want to try everything else but God. And they end up in these really mental sort of stronghold battles because then you open yourself to everything else that's out there trying to influence you and trying to not only tear you apart from God, but really destroy your life and destroy you. There are real demons out there and they're really doing that to people. And um, that's what happens when we don't commit ourselves to God. So I, I just want you guys to be encouraged today. Of course, God loves us, um, but God also sets the expectation for us, right? And, you know, a lot of that is just the way the, the I don't even know how to call it, like, it's, 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 almost, it's like a chemical thing where like oil cannot mix with water. It's like holiness cannot mix with sin, right? And if we said, Lord, I want you, Lord, I want this. I want eternity with you. I want forever with you. 
we've got to make sure that we, 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 we fit the standard, right? And that we're mindful of the things that we do that keep us from God, that keep us from heaven. And as we continue to pray and as we continue to keep this, you know, conscious effort about doing right, we will see those changes. We will see the fruit of the spirit being bare. And more importantly, guys, the quality of your life becomes so much better. Like, I'm not saying that your life is perfect. You'll live in mansions. You'll have five Range Rovers. No, you are just, there's this internal peace that nothing on the outside of the world can do to shake you, right? We see things, signs of end times all the time. In fact, just last night, I was driving home very, very late at night from a friend's house. And I just remember thinking it was very, it was pouring outside. I just remember like, like it was raining and um, as the rain started to sort of reduce and minimize in, in the way it was falling, it was like, I saw like just a whole bunch of frogs on the road, just like leaping. And like the first thing that crossed my mind was one of the plagues that had hit um, Egypt um, and hit Pharaoh um, when he wasn't being obedient to God and letting, you know, the people go um, and that story of Moses. And it was, it was just, it was very striking to me because it's like, it, it's, it's, this is very real, right? And I'm not saying that that was, you know, obviously that was a particular sign, but for me, it just took me back to that point and reminding me that like everything that we're doing here, this world, it's fading away. Everyone's got a cap number of years that they're here and, you know, we all have purpose, we all have, you know, drive, we all have all these things that we want to do. But if Christ is not at the core of it, then what are we doing it for, right? It, the world is here today and gone tomorrow. And if we're not preparing for eternity, whether it's in hell, because some people are preparing for eternity in hell. If we're not preparing for eternity, then what are we doing and why are we doing it, right? So I want you guys to be reminded that God is good, God is faithful, and that our requirement as believers is to not only believe and share the gospel and share the word, but it's to also be totally reminded. Um, it's to totally be reminded that um, we have to live a life of holiness. So with that, I'm going to pray us out and um, we will, um, I guess, answer questions or we'll just close out for the day. Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you so much for the word that came. Thank you, God, for reminding us and teaching us constantly um, of your holiness and your goodness and that the standard is for us to match that just as well. We pray and ask, Almighty God, that everything that we talked about today and everything that we discussed today, oh Lord, will remain in our hearts, remain in our hearts, um, and just forever stay in our hearts, oh God, in our minds, our spirits, and our souls. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the admiration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Well, if nobody has any questions, comments, um, I'm going to go ahead and um, have us share the grace. All right, guys. Let's unmute and let us share the grace.